Well, good morning, guys. I'm a little um, nasally, so I didn't change my voice. But um, hey, you know, that's the way it goes sometimes. I don't know if it's fall allergies or just getting too excited at sporting events. Um, <laughs> some of you may be in the same category. But hey, aren't you encouraged? I mean, not only is God good, but the Aggies won, which is great. That has no, there's no correlation between the goodness of God and A&M winning, just so you're clear here at Antioch. Um, but hey, it certainly is nice um, and uh, uh, very encouraging. So hopefully for those that did go to the game, made it to church, hey, way to go. You are the faithful uh, I know it was a late night. Um, all right, well, <clears throat> I'm going to preach here and try to get through this. And um, pardon my voice, but we're going to do what we can um, to, to move things along this morning. Well, um, we are in this series on loving God. And, you know, whenever I say that phrase more and more, I'm reminded of the simplicity of it um, in terms of, okay, what does it mean to really be a Christian? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Um, and in the end, Jesus, we know, he summed up everything. Right? When he was questioned by some people and in multiples of the Gospels, he responded when they questioned and said, hey, what's the greatest commandment? He responded with, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he said, and the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we've heard that, and even if you've never been to church before, you've probably heard the phrase, loving God or loving your neighbor, right? But what we're doing these six weeks is trying to unpack, what does that really mean, and how can we actually do that? Because um, we, are, we are prone as people to say things without backing it up, right? We usually run our mouth more than our feet run. Right? Like we actually, our actions are usually less than our words, typically speaking. So what we want to do is we actually want to find the balance and sync those up. Hey, that what I'm saying is actually what I'm doing. And what I'm doing is what I'm saying. And there's a reflection there. And that, and that it's not seen as a double life or, or, or as lip service. Does it make sense? So we're talking about loving God because we want it to be real. Right? So we're not trying to be really deep theologically right now because what I have found is that there is space to go deep theologically, to go deep on, uh, uh, on, on deeper revelations and meanings. But honestly, unless you're taking care of the basics, I oftentimes think you're wasting your time. Yeah. Right? Like, you, you actually don't need to go for the PhD if you haven't finished algebra. If you don't know algebra one and geometry, why are you going for a PhD in mathematics? Is you're going to be very disappointed and very discouraged very quickly. And you may learn a few things, but, it's, but there's, there's no foundation. You're trying to build a roof with no walls, right? So when it comes to being a follower of Jesus Christ, you have to know the basics of the faith and actually put them into practice, which, by the way, are very difficult to do. It ain't easy. It is not easy to follow Jesus. It is not easy to obey the commands of Christ, to, to, to really demonstrate our love for God in a world that is consistently saying no. Remember, Jesus said, hey, guess what? They hated me, they're gonna hate you too. We tend to forget that sometimes, don't we? Like, we're not actually gonna be one happy world. So I don't, uh, wh wh whatever Kool-Aid you've been drinking about everybody's gonna be nice and kind, 
you're not, you're not reading the Bible, right? The Bible is actually, there's wars, there's destruction, there's famines, there's earthquakes, there's sin, there's hatred, there's evil, there's darkness. It, it's real. We can pretend it's not there, right? And kind of insulate ourselves, but it's real. It's very dark. It's very broken. Yet, God, out of his love for us, sent his son, Jesus Christ, into a very dark, broken world. And he said, guess what? I'm going to start peeling back the darkness. I'm going to start pushing it back. I'm going to start overcoming it because I'm going to bring so much light and so much life and so much joy and so much healing and so much love and mercy and grace. And I'm going to redefine things again the way it was in the beginning when, by the way, God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit were there shaping the world, creating things. They said, hey, let me tell you what it was supposed to be like. So now Jesus steps on the scene. And he says, now I'm going to step and I'm going to let you know that this is the way. This is the kingdom way. You may have heard it said, hate your enemies. I say, love them. You may have heard it said, take revenge. I say, forgive. Right? Do you understand? This is what Jesus stepped into. He'd do the same thing if he stepped on the scene today on planet Earth. And he's going around and people are like, who is this guy? And he is bringing the kingdom of God which by definition, the simplest form, because I'm not very smart, my definition of the kingdom of God is this. You ready? Wherever the king is. You're like, oh man, I have to read a book about that. No, nope, you don't. <laughs> Where the king is, that's the kingdom of God. So you want to be like, oh, I want to be in the will of God. I want to experience the kingdom of God. I want to write slogans and conferences and books about the kingdom is here. Guess what? It's where the king is. And the king is present where he is being affirmed and loved and honored and praised and acknowledged. That's why you can step into some houses when you go visit a friend or neighbor and you walk in, you're like, hey, there's something good here. I don't know what that is, but man, there's something here. Well, the king's there. You know why? Because he's being honored, respected. There's no hidden sin in that house. People are serving one another, the righteousness and peace of God. Guess what? The kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy is manifesting present in that place, which means we're drawn to it. Guys, we are drawn to righteousness, peace, and joy. We are drawn to it. That's why people are drawn to Jesus. So when we talk about loving God, we're talking about something that is, yes, it is foundational, but it is everything. It is everything. I mean, love is ultimate. It supersedes all, right? Right? We all know the wedding you went to this summer, 1 Corinthians 13. It was read. If you haven't read it, read it. Right? I mean, love is, pre love is, it is at the top of Mount Everest. It's at the top. But if we can't demonstrate it, if we just talk about it, it's super cheap. And it's very disenfranchising. It's very hurtful and it's very deceptive. And you know what I'm saying? So we have to mean it, guys. I'm serious. Like this is, this is the hour for Christians to be Christians. I, I think I've shared this recently. I don't know if it's here on Sunday morning or I talk a lot or, or with a group of people. <laughs> and I told them, I said, we were talking about, I don't know, something. And, and, uh, and I, I said, yeah, there's a lot of problems in the world. But someone years ago told me this. They said, um, uh, if every Christian on planet Earth right now acted like a Christian, 
we'd have worldwide revival. Think about this again. How many people claim to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? I don't care what denomination or what affiliation or what skin color or what ethnicity or what language you speak. How many people claim to know Jesus Christ? Now, how many of those people are actually loving God and loving their neighbor in a way that Jesus would be standing right next to you and saying, hey, that is a disciple of mine. That is an apprentice of mine. Oh yeah, that guy, he's an ambassador. You better believe it. Listen when he says, I trust him. What if? Oh man, what if? What if the Christians woke up? Did you know what? I'm not here to please men. I'm here to please God. Recently, um, <clears throat> talked to one of my kids, and you know, we live in a fallen, broken world, guys. And I don't want my kids to experience things before they know how to process and handle it. You know what I'm saying? I don't want a three-year-old to take things in that should be taken in. I want to surround them with love and peace and care and life and infuse in them the truth of God and the love of God. And you know what? This world, they will face it. <laughs> you don't have to go searching for trouble. Trouble will come to you because it's called planet Earth, okay? You don't have to go like seek out sickness or pain or violence or heartache. It'll come. Don't worry about that. So I don't want my five-year-old to have to process that, right? But I'm talking to my kids and... Um, we're gonna get into the message, so I'm just kinda of going here for a minute. <clears throat> but um, I was talking to them and we kinda of were talking through situations and conversations they had had with some different kids they know and, and uh, we kinda of boiled it down. We said, hey, we said, you really have two options in life. And those options are about who you listen to. Meaning, who has the loudest voice in your life? We were talking, we said, listen, there's gonna be a lot of voices, coaches, teachers, friends, parents, grandparents, cousins, strangers, whatever, kids in your team, sport, just, all right, there's voices, all right, we got voices, right? But I said, you've gotta decide which voice is going to be the loudest. And I said, the voice that needs to be the loudest for you to make it is God's but I'm not so sure his voice is the loudest. And the second voice that needs to be the loudest is mom and dad's. And I'm not sure about that either right now. It sounds like the loudest voice potential in your life right now is not God and not your parents. It's everybody else. Now what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that is that God designed us to have relationship with him. And then in the natural order of family, he designed us in the ideal. I know it's not what everyone experiences, but the design of God. And I would say, what is best? What is, what is the most complete package? Is that someone is able to know God as father in relationship with him and to have a mother and a father on this earth that loves them and cares for them. That's not everybody's situation. I know that in this room, but it's not take away the fact that is God's plan A. That's his design. It doesn't mean he can't work with a plan B or plan C. He's a miracle worker. He can do incredible things. And they're incredible single moms and single dads. They're incredible families that have to shake it and, and move things around and understand how to work. There's grandparents taking care of their grandkids. I understand all that. But God's plan A is that you would listen to his voice 
You would want his advice, his counsel, his encouragement, what he says about you. You are beautiful. You are handsome. You are strong. You are smart. You are sharp. You are quick. You can do it. That's what he's saying. He is the number one fan on the sideline at your soccer game. He's not yanking you out because you gave up a goal. He's not saying you're off the team because you fell down. He's saying, get up, keep going, try again. Do you hear me? My children, my own children, I got five of them. My job is to help them know their father's voice, their heavenly father. And my job is for them to know my voice and their mama's voice. And then everyone else is third and includes all of you as nice as you are, as smart as you are. I mean, I love Bobby Moore. I love Judd and Juliana, Dan and Linda Hill. These are faithful people. These are people that I love and respect. They're older than me, wiser than me, but I want their voice to be in the third spot. God, mom and dad, then everybody else. Now, why am I saying that today, guys? I think you know why. Whose voice are you gonna listen to? When we talk about loving God, it's really hard to love him and to really know him and what he loves if you are not connecting with him. If you don't understand what's his voice and what's the world's voice. And just for clarity, the devil has a voice too. And if you remember what happened was he had all these angels and this big crazy thing that happened and one third of them went with Lucifer became the devil because he was so proud. He did not want to serve God. He wanted to be God. He wanted to be like him. And God said, that ain't going to happen, pal. And there's a big war that went on. I don't even know how it looked or what happened. But all I know is that God won. The devil's put in his place and he was sitting here to earth and then he tempted Adam and Eve. And here we are a few thousand years later and we're in this place where sin is still ravaging and breaking us apart and wanting to separate us from God in relationship with him. That is the devil's number one plan. It always is. It's actually, his number one plan is not to just kill you or destroy you. He really wants to destroy any relationship you have or chance with him. Then he wants to kill you because he knows eternity is forever. He's fully aware. I don't know if you are. His number one job is separation from you and the father so that then when you die, there's no hope. It's game over. He wants to distort his voice by having people in your life that are supposed to be in the image of God, mothers and fathers, people, leaders, and to be destructive and abusive so that then you also decide, you know what? I can't listen to God because these people are made in his image and therefore they're kind of like him. And so I want to run from him. That's why his number one job is to attack fathers on planet earth so that you have no voice and when they think of Father God, they think of abusive father. They think of angry father. They think of, they think of the father that neglected them, that was never there for them. And that's what he wants. But then he gave us the church. And Paul said, you've got a lot of guides, but not many mothers and fathers. That's what you need. You need your heavenly father and you need spiritual mothers and fathers. And so if you're in this room today, I want you to know something. I don't know about your mom and dad. I don't know. It could be great. They could be sitting here with you today or it could be tough. But Jesus has a plan. His plan is my sheep will know my voice. And if you know me, you can know the father. 
I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So you want to know what I think about you? Know Jesus? He gives you access to him. All of a sudden, you're wondering, scrolling through, man, am I even liked? Does anyone care? Does anyone notice? You put it down and say, wait, he does. And it's by faith. I can't touch God right here. That'd be cool if he showed up. I think we'd all freak out. I don't know what happened, but he's here. He's present. You know what I'm saying? He's real. So what I want you guys to know is that we've got to listen to his voice. Number one. So if you're not there, this is your day. It's your day to get right with God. Quit listening to the voices of men and women. Do you know how many people I have become friends with over 39 years of life? A lot. You know how many people I've met in this church? Thousands. Maybe 10, 20,000 people have come to these doors over the last 13 years. It's a lot of people. But I want to take every person in stride and in light of, hey, God's voice matters most, my family, how God created it, and then all of you. What, what if I put all my stock in one of you and, it just every, and then you left and then I was devastated? Wow, that's saying something about me. You need to put all your stock in him. People will come and go, but God remains. That's not meant to be offensive or hurtful. It's just true. Think, think, about, think about high school graduation. Are you super close with all of them? I mean, if you're 39, probably not, you know? If you're like 19, sure. You saw them last weekend. Just let a few years go. You know, I'm just saying, I, I remember, oh, we're going to see each other forever. It's like, I don't know any of them. I don't know where they live, you know? But who do I know? My God, my family, and the people in my life right now. Right? The people you got, hey, love them, care for them, serve them, let them love you, serve you, care for one another. This is community, and it's good. And then when people move on, they move on. And you love the next person in front of you. That is the way. Does it make sense? So we're going to listen to the voice of God. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> I'm supposed to talk about prayer and fasting, but... We're going to get there. All right. So just stay with me a second here. You know, Billy Graham, he, um, incredible evangelist for decades. And he shared the gospel with thousands and tens of thousands and millions of people. And just such an amazing man of God. And he had a role to play in the body of Christ in that season. Um, people all over the world would say, man, I got saved and I turned my life around. I mean, incredible. And he said this about prayer, because whenever I look at people, you know, whenever, whenever you think about people that are, um, quote unquote, doing great things, right, in the kingdom of God, you, you really want to peel back and look, well, what's, what's the story behind the story? It's not, it's not Billy Graham 20 minutes sharing the gospel message he can do. What's the story behind it? And I love his, his take and his quote on prayer. He said, we are to pray in times of adversity, lest we become faithless and unbelieving. We're to pray in times of prosperity, lest we become boastful and proud. We are to pray in times of danger, lest we become fearful and doubting. We are to pray in times of security, lest we become self-sufficient. That last one might be the one that stings the most. We are to pray in times of security, lest we become self-sufficient. Charles Spurgeon, you may know, <clears throat> amazing preacher in his own right, before Billy Graham, he said, if you believe in prayer at all, 
expect God to hear you. If you do not expect, you will not have. God will not hear you unless you believe he will hear you. But if you believe he will, he will be as good as your faith. Let me read that again. God will not hear you unless you believe he will hear you. But if you believe he will, he will be as good as your faith. Two great men, Billy Graham saying, there is never a time you can't pray or shouldn't pray. Highs and lows and in the middle, that's when you press in because prayer is what keeps us connected. Prayer is what keeps us humble. Prayer is what keeps us from being proud, arrogant, self-sufficient, fearful and boastful. I love that, that there is something even about our own walk with Christ that is sharpened and narrowed if we surrender ourselves to pray to him. Do you understand? Because then all of a sudden, if you cut this off, then there's no need. I have no need of you, no access of you. It'd be the same situation if, if my kids came home and I said, hey, how can I help you? What are you doing? And they won't talk to me. Oh, I'm good. I don't need to talk to you. I'm good. I'm good. Nothing, nothing, nothing. That goes on for weeks or months. All of a sudden, they now, these, these people live in my house, but we don't have a relationship. Because they keep ignoring me, pushing me away. I want to help. I'm here. Can I, can I share with you? Can I encourage you? No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And what's going to happen is disconnected. They then become insulated, self-sufficient. And now then one day they crack and they wonder, how did I get here? I can tell you how you got there. You cut God off and people off, a.k.a. COVID. How'd I get here? Right? I mean, it is, it is funny and sad at the same time. How did I get here? I was fine before 2020. Well, you cut God off and people off. Oh, yeah, but come back. Prodigal sons and daughters, come back. If you've turned to it, come on back. He is open arms. Time has not expired. Come on in, man. He is ready to dine with you again. He is ready to hug you again and say, come on in. If you've not been to this church for a while, if you've come and gone or whatever, come on in. Just jump back in. Just be humble and love people. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what we need. So there is always a time to pray. We have to have the mindset. I love what Paul says in Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Keep that up there. You want to know why you should pray? I love that last part. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You've got to guard this and this. This is what the devil's after. This is what mean people are after. I told my kids the other day, I said, um, I made sure this too. <clears throat> it's okay, I can repeat things. But um, I said, let me just give you a universal principle for why kids are mean. Okay? So this goes for all of you if you're mean. We're, we're calling you out right now. Okay? And your kids. If your kids are mean, this is what I'm telling my kids about your kids. You ready? I'm serious. Kids are mean because they are insecure. Right. Yeah. 
someone hasn't loved them, they've beat them up, they've been abused, they've been name called. Mean kids don't just show up. There is a reason why. If your kid is mean, it's because you are facilitating that environment of meanness. And if you're like, whoa, it wasn't me, then man, get rid of the video games. Check on the friends. You know what I'm saying? Someone's got to take the blame, right? If my kids are mean, I'm not blaming them in the world. I'm blaming me and Ashley. So take responsibility, right? We've got to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus because this world is broken and hurting and we don't want to be bitter. <laughs> I don't want to live life bitter. I'm about to turn 40, man. I want to be happy at 40. You know what I'm saying? I don't want no midlife crisis. I want midlife happiness. You know? That's what I want. I want to be like, man, just lighten up, you know? Like, and I'm an intense person. I'm telling this to me, you know? But, man, but, but, I, but for me, this is convicting, guys. This, this week of prep, I mean, Ash and I, we've, we've upped our game, okay? I, I, I'm, we're not immune to everything happening in the world, in this town, in life, in this church. We're not immune, okay? We take it on the chin. And our prayer life has gone down the last few years. And we know it, and we feel the effects of it. And that's changed. Last few weeks, we have cranked it up. In our home, our kids were waking them up. 6 a.m., let's go. Dad, get out of here. <laughs> Worship's on. Let's go. You can walk around half asleep. We're worshiping Jesus. Let's go. You can't read the Bible. We're putting it on audio Bible. Listen, we're going. We're going. Luke 1, Luke 2, Luke 3, Luke 4, James 1, James 2. We're boom, boom, boom. You don't want the truth? Guess what? The truth's coming at you. I don't care if you want it. You're going to sit right there and soak it up. And so are we. And we're going to pray. I don't want to pray. It doesn't matter. We're going to pray. Who's your teacher? What's her name? Let's pray for her. What does she need? I don't know. No, we're going to really pray. I'm telling you, church, you have got to wake up. You've got to wake up. I'm not, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not giving some revival speech. I'm giving you a personal. If you are going to make it in the next five years as a Christian in the United States of America, you better wake up. And you better get real. Or you better just go worldly. We're, we don't, we're not a church of worldly. Just so you know. It's your first time. We're so glad you're here. But <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's just, we, we're serious about Jesus. Because he's serious about you. You know what I mean? Like, he wants, he wants more of you. We give him so little. You know what I mean? Like, we just, we don't even talk to him. And we recognize that. And so we're, we are like, we repented to our kids. Kids, we are so sorry. We have not led the way, but we are going to pray and we are going to contend and we are going to fight. And when someone gets sick, the first thing we're going to do is not the medicine cabinet. We will pray. Medicine cabinet's there, but we're going to pray first. Let's pray. Let's believe God again, guys. Or is there a problem at school? Let's not try to talk about it. Let's, okay, Lord, how do we pray? Let's pray for that kid. What is wrong with his heart, God? How do we help him? How do we love him? Okay, buddy, he's insecure. He's hurting. He's broken. Do you know his family? Okay, let's give him mercy and grace, but let's not be caught up in that. So how do we balance that, right? Of loving him and grace and truth, right? Like we've got to train my little disciples. My five children are my disciples. They are the, they, that is it. That is 
That is, these are the ones that this is going to be the fruit of my life. And I, and I don't pressure them on that. That's on me. But we're like, man, we're going to do everything we know. And when we know we're off, we're going to repent and we're going to correct course. Because I don't know how many days I got. How many days I got, man. So I want to love God today. And I want to pray. I want to know what he cares about. You know, back in early January, and we're going to wrap it up in a few minutes. Um, in January, we, um, we had, you know, at the end of every year, so November, December, a bunch of the pastors and leaders in America and around the world with the Antioch movement, um, we pull together and people are praying and sitting in. We're praying and asking God for words and scriptures and prophetic words. And Lord, what are you saying right now? I'm just trying to get on the same page. And over and over, there's just been this theme of the Queen Mary ship. I just want to bring it back because we got World Man Eight coming up in a couple of weeks. And just a quick plug, if you haven't signed up, I would love for you to come. Um, we just, we want you to be here because it's going to, it will change your heart and your mind in a positive way. I, I don't know, I'm not going to really sell you on it. I'm just going to say it, it's going to be amazing and I want you to come. So if you can't come, that's great. You are blessed. But if you can come, if you can't pay for the thing, tell me, we'll figure it out but I want you to come. I need you to be here. What the people we are bringing, the atmosphere we're creating, it is going to be a life-altering weekend, and we're serious about it, and we want God to speak to you. I'm talking about the voice of God. We're wanting his voice to be super loud that weekend. So wherever you're at, you need a Kickstarter. You need to wake up. You're like, hey, man, I need more Jesus. If you don't want to go to missions, it's not necessarily just you got to go be a missionary. It's about your love for God and whatever. We're going to highlight the nations, but it's really getting your heart for him and them. <laughs> Right, which is why we exist. We exist for him and them, right? That's what we're doing here. So we'd love for you guys to come to that. But this Queen Mary work came up several times. And if you guys don't know about the Queen Mary, we're not talking about the British royals. I know Elizabeth passed away and the big deal. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a boat, okay? So the Queen Mary. And there was this cruise ship that was before World War II and it was a cruise liner. And uh, it came out, came out of England and um, the Queen Mary was a, a ginormous cruise ship, the fastest of its kind. And World War II breaks out and... The Allies end up conscripting the Queen Mary boat. Um, and what they did was they, they retrofitted the boat from being a cruise liner to being a troop carrier. So then America enters the war, and all of a sudden now they had this ginormous boat that is moving troops from America over to Europe. I mean, by the hundreds of thousands of troops, the trips they could take and the voyages. And it was so fast it could outrun the U-boats. So the German U-boats that were no no notorious for sinking and submarining all the Allied ships, they couldn't catch it. I mean, just, I mean, how frustrating, right? You think like in sports, like, you know, a very large man running and you're like skinny and small and you're running and they're just like sprinting past you. You're like, how is this possible? You can imagine like this boat, how is this possible? This thing is just cruising past us. This is not possible. And it's because of the boiler room they had that was state of the art at their time. They'd engineered it. They had these four large boilers at the, at, at the whole, the base of the ship. Right, and those were the furnaces. Those are things that were that were moving the ship, and it wasn't just moving it in speed. It was lighting the ship. It was warming the ship. It was allowing all the life and movement to happen on that ship. It was because of the boiler room. Yeah. So God started speaking, and we shared this in January. I'm going to re-up on it again, but about how Antioch, as a people, we've got to get back to being a people of prayer again. Yeah. We've got to pray, and I don't mean just say that we pray. I mean like that we actually pray. That you 
personally are committed to saying, I'm going to pray and I'm going to learn how to pray again. If I think prayer is boring, I'm going to do away with that because prayer is good. If I think it's boring, I need to get my heart and mind worked out so I start praying again. I need to go to some people who actually like prayer. People need to stir me up in prayer. I need to pray. And a lot of times prayer is not about, it's not really about how do I pray? It's just start going. Does that make sense? Like you can think about riding a bike. Like, how can I ride it? What do I do? Do I do this? Do I do that? And what about the handles? And what? I, look at the tires. And no, just get on the bike and let's just go. And we'll just, oh my gosh, I can, and not only training wheels, I can ride, you know? That's like prayer. Just start going, talking. He'll help you out. Trust me. It's not that complicated. Right? Just start praying though, right? And then, then you go in deeper. And like, okay, wow, this is, woo, we're really moving stuff here, right? And so prayer, that's prayer, Right? And so this boiler room idea is, Lord, we want to be a people who are going to be a house of prayer. At Antioch, we'd be a people that are going to pray, really learn how to pray. Okay, now we're taking baby steps here. Look, we've got a team of people that are praying in the mornings on Sunday mornings. I know prayer's happening, some of the life groups. I know the college ministry's got early morning prayer. But I'm telling you guys, we have got to get the furnaces lit because God is speaking to us. If we're going to be a troop carrier into the nations, into what's going on in the world right now, in Crazyville, we've got to pray. And the basis has to be Prayer. We have to be a people surrender to God, hearing his voice, not just our good ideas on strategy or how to love our neighbor. God, how do you want me to love my neighbor? Oh, go mow the grass. Really? I thought I was going to go pray for them. Nope. Mow the grass. God, how do you want me to put? Hey, take their trash out. What? What about cookies? No, I can bake. No, no, no. Right? All of a sudden you start leaning into prayer, asking God, how do you minister to people? He's telling you, not some blog. Right? Not some book. I don't want that. I want the Spirit of God, we talked about last week, to tell you how to minister, how you love. Lord, what do I do with my kids right now? Gosh, I don't know what to do. I don't want to parent right now. Where is that on chapter 7? I don't have chapter 7. What do I do? Spirit of God, how do I love my kids? Oh, you need to repent to them. Oh. So there's a wall because I did something, got upset at them, have not said I'm sorry, so now they're distant. Oh. All right, uh, family meeting. Dad's here to say he's sorry. What? Yeah, uh, I blew it. Will you guys forgive me? Can we pray together? We all pray for Dad's heart because I got angry. I don't want to be like that. I want to be a dad that you love, that you are safe with. Can y'all pray for Daddy? That's a prayer, y'all. It ain't complicated, but it does take people willing to do it. So wouldn't it be people, we're going to light those furnaces we're going to ignite the boiler room at World Mandate. We're setting up a whole prayer room. It's going to be fantastic. And we're going to be praying. And I want you to come prepared and ready. But as we close this morning, I just couldn't get to a bunch of other things. But let me just say, the Bible talks about prayer a lot. And, um, and I, I, I really don't want things to be complicated. But I just, I'm telling you, my love for God gets colder and dim when I'm not praying. That's a confession. I know it too. I feel it. If you're married, maybe give it this example. When you're not spending time with your spouse, like talking to them, you're just running busy, right? Doing dishes and laundry and running kids around. You're not, there's not that space where there's a focused time. What happens to your marriage? Get a little distant. Get a little cold. Get a little numb. That's the way God designed us. If there's not some sort of relational connectivity, we grow cold. Right? And so I'm just telling you, if you want your heart to be alive, you're like, man, I feel distant from God. I feel like, I want the band, come on up, come on up, man. If I feel distant from God, if I feel cold, I feel 
frustrated or just bitter or just whatever, can I just tell you, just say, God, I just want to pray. I just want to talk to you again. Can you help me? And just talk to him. And sometimes it's, it's, it's just being thankful, right? Just saying, God, you are good. I'm thankful I'm alive. Thank you I have hair. Thank you I have feet, you know? Thank you, Lord, that I have clean drinking water. The basics. God, thank you for my family. God, thank you for this church. Thank you for this city with minimal traffic, except when the college students come back. But Lord, we're thankful, <laughs> right? But just, I mean, it's, it's a little, but it's also God. Thank you. You are good. Your mercy, your kindness, you have forgiven me. God, you pulled me out of the muck and the mire and you set my feet upon a rock. God, thank you. Your mercy are new. Thank you. You prepared a place for me in heaven, God. Sometimes you just got to start thanking him, right? And then all of a sudden we start focusing in on not everything that's bad, but on the good. Right? And because if you just focus on the negative stuff or whatever, it's, man, you're not going to make it. He's good. Because I'm thanking him. And then we need to worship him. We need to worship God. We, Lord, we worship you. Oh, you are good. We give you praise. Why do we worship? We're not, it's not a sing-along, guys. It just, it's, we're, we're trying to mirror heaven. God, you're incredible. Wow. I want to sing. I mean, just like when the Aggie score touched on, I want to shout. My body just wants to jump and high five random people, you know, just, yeah, you know, it's like, I want to go, God, yes, like, you are incredible. These words are true. Yes, it's moving my heart. I'm coming alive, God, by worshiping your name. Sometimes the best way to get out of a funk is just to worship him. So stand to your feet. Let's go. We're going to stand. We're going to worship this morning. And sometimes you need to not only give him thanksgiving, sometimes you don't need to only just worship him. You need to intercede for somebody else. You need to pray for someone else. Not you, someone else. I'm telling you, Jesus said, I came to serve, not to be served. If we are going to be Christ's followers, those who love God, who love Jesus, we've got to be like him, not our own version of him, him. He is not our own interpretation of him. It is him. That is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Lord and Savior, the one who loves you, rescues you, knows you by name, knows your situation, still cares about you, is willing to forgive you if you'll just come to Him and say, come on in. So we're going to worship this morning. But before we do that, we're just going to pray. So I'm going to have you turn to two people, groups of three, real quick, just turn to them. If it's stranger, it's even better. Family, stranger, doesn't matter. Just turn to them. Introduce yourself really quick. Hi, my name is Betty, Tom, Bob, John. Turn to someone. Real quick. Here we go. All right. All right, listen up. Here's what you're going to do. Here's what you're going to do, guys. Because we're going to pray. We're not just going to talk about it and not do it. We're going to pray. So right now, the person you're talking to, the three people you're talking to, one of you, just in like 15 seconds, here's a question you're answering. My greatest need is, fill in the blank. My greatest need is what? Healing, finances. Uh, uh, I need help in relationships. I need mentally, I'm struggling. I need, I don't even know Jesus Christ. I need him, uh, whatever it is. Just fill in the blank, 15 seconds, and then pray for that person. Take no more than one minute to pray for him. Lord, we pray for that. It doesn't have to be a lot of words, right? The Bible, it's just to the point, you can be into the meat. So say, well, here's my need, pray for that person. They go around. All three people get prayed for. Ready, set, go. Go for it, guys. Go for it. Come on. Let's pray. Let's be a house of prayer. Let's pray for people this morning. Come on.